Hallelujah. We're going to minister this morning a word called the faith of God. Somebody say the faith of God. I believe that everything that we have heard up until this point really has been a precursor to what the Lord is establishing. Is that, is that an echo? Hallelujah. Yeah, take, me, take me out of Carnegie Hall and bring me back to East Main. Hallelujah. But everything has been a precursor. If there has ever been a prophetic sentence in a service, we are reading that sentence today. From the prayer to the praise and worship to the offering teaching to what the Lord has given us to release as the word of the Lord, God is speaking something to us. Somebody say amen. Jesus repeatedly said, throughout the Gospels and in the book of Revelation, he that hath an ear, let him what? That means that God can be saying something, but if you don't have an ear to hear, you'll miss the message. Uh, we have to discern the time and the seasons of God, which means if you don't discern it, you can be in a time and season and not know. And if you're in a time and in a season and you don't recognize the time and the season, you'll misappropriate the time and the season. Because you'll be doing something else other than appropriating what God has allotted for you. Somebody say amen. amen. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 4 through 6. I got a couple of scriptures that I'll read and then we'll go right into it. Uh, it says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Somebody say by faith. Wasn't that the offering was greater or better? It wasn't that the preparation was any different, but the difference between the excellency of Abel's offering was that he did it in faith. Huh? So it's not just the fact that you bring an offering, but how do you present it? What is the modus, mod, modus operandi behind the presentation? Are you just throwing money in the bucket or are you sowing in faith? Because it determines how heaven judges your excellent offering. It says, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. So he did it in faith and became righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken he had this testimony that he pleased God. What does that mean? It means Enoch had to have been a man of faith because without faith it is okay. Uh, well, that's the rest of the scripture. But without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God, which means that you can be in God but not come to God. You can be in his presence, but you cannot be intentional in your awareness or pursuit of him. So he that comes to God must first believe Somebody say believe. believe. Takes faith to believe in what you cannot see. It has to first believe that he is. That means he exists. It means he exists when you don't feel like he exists. It means that he exists when your circumstances are trying to tell you he does not exist. It means that he exists when you feel disappointed in your life space. Say you, you believe first that he is. Say he is. And then that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, which means you can't be lazy in the pursuit of God. Has to be intentional. Romans 10, 14 says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher or a proclaimer of truth? How shall they preach unless they are sent? Greek word apostello, from where we get apostolic, apostle, etc. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all believed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed whose report? Our report. So Isaiah's report was synonymous with the report of the Lord. He had the faith of God, not just faith in God. Somebody say amen. So then faith, it comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. James 2 and 20 says, but do you not, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is, some of y'all are sitting in dead faith, but I believe that this anointing here today is going to resurrect it. O foolish man, that faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Right? Abraham believed, but he had to have activity commensurate with the belief. Do you see that faith was working together with his work? Somebody say faith is working. And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only somebody say amen it is with the heart that we believe unto righteousness but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation so it's not enough just to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord without the works of confession y'all see it uh, Romans 12 and 3 Last scripture. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Okay? So he's saying it's not, there's no issue having an assessment of yourself. Just don't make it too high. Don't think of yourself outside of the boundaries and the ramifications of where you actually are. He says, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Somebody say, think soberly, according to the measure of faith. Which means that your assessment of you has a lot to do with what your faith produces. Because your works are tried by the fire. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this infusion of faith. I pray that our ears are circumcised to hear it that our hearts and spirits are open to receive the engrafted word of God that is able to save and convert the soul. And we thank you and praise you for such a great salvation. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. When God moves, whenever God's going to move, and this is going to be quick today, he starts with building capacity and infrastructure. You've heard me say that before, but you have to realize that although the works of God were finished from the foundation of the world, before he ever thought about Adam and Eve coming into the garden, he already completed the fulfillment of this ministry's vision. Y'all understand that that's how God thinks. As a sovereign who is omniscient, who is omnipresent, who is omnipotent, he has accomplished everything that he is ever going to accomplish within the confines in the space of time and eternity. Somebody say amen. But he still did works. 
So the fact that the fact that they were completed and that he was aware of them does not negate the fact that he did a work. Somebody say he did a work. So before he introduces a new move or signals a new move in our lives, which um, will culminate, culminate ultimately in the fulfillment of his will and purpose, he has to build within us the capacity and the infrastructure to hold what it is that he is going to release. Somebody say amen. God begins this process by interjecting the idea of the new thing that he is going to do in our lives. And that new move uh, is activated or instigated by the prophetic process. Somebody say the prophetic process. The prophetic anointing, and, and we've talked a little bit about this, and I'm not going to take a lot of time here because I've done it at length in other places, but it's not just the anointing that comes on that one revivalist that comes into town and holds 21 days of services under a tent to give you prophecy. But the prophetic anointing literally is the impetus of God himself. The Bible says to us that he is the God that calls things that are not as though they were. That is the entire construct of the prophetic. God will take an opportunity to think a thought. And the way that he gets his thought out of his uh, supernatural, everlasting, eternal mind into manifestation denotes the prophetic process. Somebody say the prophetic process. When God gives you a vision, when he gives you a dream, when he gives you a word, when he puts something in your heart and spirit concerning what it is that he's called you to do or wants you to do or desires you to do, he is in essence beginning the prophetic process. That vision, that word, that dream literally takes you into the future. Huh? It takes you into the place where the thing that you are about to embark on is already completed. When God gives you a vision, you don't see the sticks and the stones that go into the building of the vision. You see the fulfillment of the vision. If he's going to show you a business, you see the business in a high rise and you see yourself in the boardroom and you're dealing with your C-level staff. If he's going to give you a ministry, you see yourself preaching around the world. You don't see yourself in your prayer closet with you and your teddy bears. Because that's where most of our ministries begin. You don't see yourself making your cousins play church. But you see the fulfillment of it. Why is it that you see the fulfillment? Because God takes you to the end of the thing to show you how it's going to wind up. And then he brings you back to where you are and he begins to unfold the process. Somebody say that is the prophetic. God has to bring us into a higher level to manifest what it is that he desires. He has to take us up. I said this, uh, I think, last week or either on Wednesday. He said to the apostle John, come up hither. In other words, your vantage point, where you are seated, where you are connected, is not conducive to what I'm about to do. So when God begins uh, to bring us into the place where we're going to manifest his desires, he's got to allow there to be a break with what we are connected to and what we already know. And I know that's, that's uncomfortable when God begins to put his finger on us and put us in places of transition, but growth requires change. Somebody say it requires change. Your purpose is going to require a different uh, dynamic or a different manifestation of who you are. The you that God makes the promise to is not the you that's going to fulfill the word. Somebody say amen. So it means that when God is interested in bringing us into something, he has to begin a process that makes us ready and able and capable for what it is that he is going to release. Somebody say amen. 
we're dealing with the subject of the faith of God because there is a distinction between us having faith in God or having the faith of God. The Bible says that even the demons believe and tremble. So, so the fact that we believe in God is nothing more than demonic intelligence because the demons believe in God. They know that he exists, and at the mention of the name of Jesus, they tremble. They fear because they understand that there is a reality to God. Somebody say amen. But we're not just talking about that uh, kind of faith that is the faith in God, but there is the faith of God. Somebody say the faith of God. Well, the faith of God operates on a different level because when God said, let there be light, there was no room for any animosity or anything that was antithetical to what he said. When he said, let there be light, he had full expectation that light was going to exist. He had full expectation that light was going to come into manifestation. It was going to move at over 187,000 miles per second, and it was going to go, and it was going to accomplish what he sent it to do. When he said, let the sun come into place, let the moon and the stars come into place, there was no doubt in his mind that it was going to happen because he was full of faith. Somebody say faith. And so when God is about to thrust you into an arena that's going to bring you to the fulfillment of your life's purpose, he's got to empty you of all of your limited capabilities. He's got to take, he's got to take the dead end out of your spirit. He's got to take the fear and the trepidation out of your spirit. See, some of y'all don't like the fact that God is making you grow up. He's, he's pushing you into arenas where now your faith that you've been dancing about all of these years now has to really work for you. He's putting you in position. I know y'all not going to tell the truth because it's uncomfortable to think that he let us go for 15 years praising him over something we didn't really believe. But the closer we get to the fulfillment of the promise, he's going to test your faith. He's going to put you in circumstances where you're going to have to either put up or be quiet. Somebody say amen. See, I'm changing my vernacular. Put up or be quiet, but y'all know what I meant. He's going to put you into circumstances like Peter. Uh, you've been with me all of this time and you claim that you got all of this revelation, but can you walk on water? That's the only thing I want to know. If I put you in an impossible situation, are you going to be able to walk or are you going to sink? And I'm telling you now, I'm prophesying and I'm I'm almost done to somebody in here that you feel like you are being overwhelmed by the waters of your experience. But beloved, I'm presenting to you an opportunity to grow in your faith. Don't look at the bottom of the ocean and think that you're sinking, but look at the God that is on the inside. The greater one, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You got to look at the power of God that is in you and tap in to his capability in the midst of the impossibility. Somebody say amen. Somebody say the faith of God. The scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how can they hear except they there be a preacher and how can the preacher preach except they be sent? And I, I started to really struggle with that because it, it, it hit my theology in a way as to insinuate that perhaps we can't develop faith on our own. So are you telling me that the only way I'm going to get faith is if I'm sitting under a preach word that inspires faith? Well, Lord, what about my study and what about my prayer and what about my experience with you? And this is how it came in my spirit, Elder. Uh, our, our personal study doesn't stop the process of faith. It develops our faith. Somebody say, my faith. 
It develops our ability to believe. We can look at the scripture and appropriate it in our lives and say, I have faith to be healed or I have faith to prosper or I have faith to come out of my circumstance. And you can get that in prayer and you can get that in worship. But there's another kind of faith. Somebody asked me what it is. The faith of God doesn't come by your own instigation. The faith of God has to be instigated by God himself. What am I talking about? That's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, what kind of faith is being transmitted when the word of God is being preached? It's not your personal faith that's being transmitted because your personal faith is between your two ears and in your own heart and in your own spirit. But when you hear the word of God, it's the faith of God that's being inseminated in your spirit. It's the faith of God. God that's being imparted into you it's his own capability and ability being released into your spirit so that when you sit under the word you begin to feel like you can do the impossible you sit under a good word you start to feel like you know what what I thought was a limitation looks like a little grasshopper and now I know that I have the greater one and his power at work in me when you sit under the word you begin to recognize that you are a son of God and that you have his DNA and that you have his attributes and that you have his ability in you and that if God is a creator and that you are made in his likeness and image and you are baptized in his spirit that just like God you can get up and you can begin to create when you sit under the word it begins to ignite a faith in you that says that even though I only have five dollars in my bank account if God told me I'm gonna be a millionaire somewhere along the line millionaires status has got to manifest when you sit under the word of faith it begins to inspire in you a giant that says that even if there is a Goliath standing in front of me that I'm bigger than the giant because I'm operating on the principle of the word of God I don't know who I'm preaching to and if you're going to get excited get excited now because I'm just about done but there is an infusion of faith that's coming in the room because it's time for you to dust off your belief and to step into an arena of the impossible that means you better do everything that God told you to do it means that you better come out of the cave and out of the valley and you better get to the mountaintop experience and you better manifest whatever it is that God has assigned to your life who am I preaching to if that's you open your mouth and give God a shout of praise Come on, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. When God, take your seats, when God is about to manifest something unusual, he's got to get you on board with what he intends to do. And the problem with us as believers is that most of our, what we call faith, is really untested fervor. It's really excitement. It's really emotional. But we don't really have faith. Y'all not going to like it. It's all right. Just stick with me for a minute. We don't really have faith because if we were operating in faith, we would never have fear. Because fear is the antithesis of faith. I can't say that I'm living and operating 
on God's frequency and manifesting the faith of God if I'm allowing fear to dictate to me what I do and what I don't do. Y'all not going to like it. See, God told some of y'all to open up a business and you too afraid to go to irs.gov and get an EIN. That's the first step. Just register the name of the business. You so afraid. What they going to think about me? What the IRS going to do if I put my name in the database? All of that. Fear begins to talk to you, but we have to move out of the place of fear and we've got to come into the place of faith. Somebody shout faith. Faith Faith sees the invisible. I don't know the words to the song, but y'all know where I'm going. Believes the, the impossible. Can what? See the invisible, there's another one that does. And expects the, the who? Expects the impossible. Can y'all? But y'all know where we going. In other words, faith is not limited by our own limitation. Faith will carry us into a realm where what is impossible has to become possible. Somebody shout hallelujah. Here's my three points and I'm out of here. Number one, faith is intentional. Say it's intentional. You cannot haphazardly believe and get to the manifestation. Now I'm going to put this on y'all. I'm going to put it on you because I feel like we are on the verge Somebody said the verge. We're on the cusp of something happening. You can just feel it in the air. You can feel it for the body of Christ, but I feel it specifically for us as a, as a body of believers. But the Lord is ministering this word to me, Pastor Isaiah, because it's going to take faith to get us to where we got to go. See, it's one thing to be in a place where all the bills are paid. All the salaries are paid. Everybody getting their direct deposit. It's, it's, it's a whole other thing for God to start to talk to you about an arena that you don't have resources to enter into, but he says, this is the promised land you got to go. So when you're on the verge of entering into the promised land, God has to start talking to you by a different set of language to get you on par with his level of belief. So then your faith cannot be untested fervor. In other words, it's like, it's like going to war with somebody who doesn't know how to use the equipment. I'm not waiting until we get to Ukraine to figure out if you know how to use your gun and we on the front line next to each other. You better have shot that gun a few times in some of them drills and some of them rehearsals and some of your personal private shooting time. You better become a master at it before we get to the point where we really need it. You can't walk around with the gun intimidating everybody that sees it and you don't even know how to shoot. Sometimes I'm out in public and I see people walking around with their gun trying to show up and I could just tell by their persona you don't even know how to aim right. You got everybody cringing in here because you got that gun on your hip. Let me. Somebody say it's intentional. You have to be fully convinced, fully convicted, and fully committed. The scripture says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Listen to this. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Why do you need patience? Because there's seed. If you're not patient, you're going to jack up the process. 
So the testing of your faith infuses in you the ability to wait it out. In other words, so if it's going to happen, it's not happening overnight. And you have to have the ability to walk the whole process out. So what does God do to give you the ability? He lets your faith get tested. What does the test look like? You believe God's a healer? It's easy to believe he's a healer when ain't nobody sick. So your faith gets tested to prove to you. Now, he's Jehovah Rapha. He got his own resume. He doesn't need proof on his end that he's a healer. But he needs you to know in your experience that he's a healer. So he'll allow the testing of your faith and let your doctor call you into a meeting and say something that you didn't want to hear. So do you cower in the corner and call Howard K. Hill and prepare to die? Or McClam, my friends, y'all watch that man. Or do you allow the testing of your faith to produce in you a confidence that says, though he slay me, yet, y'all, oh God, help me, this is so real. Will I trust him? Because he's more than able to do what he promised to do. Y'all better stop pushing me. He said, the testing of your faith produces patience. Take your seat. Let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How do you get to perfection? It's by a fiery trial that he perfects you. We singing late in the midnight hour. God going to turn it around. But you scared of the dark. He ain't going to turn it around in the midnight hour if you keep trying to run out of the midnight. Sometimes you got to get in the middle of that dark season and you just got to get to turning. I can't see my way out, but I'm going to turn because late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. It's going to work in my favor. I can't see the door, but I know he's somewhere in here working on my behalf. I need somebody in a dark place to open your mouth and give God a great praise. Let me get my own deliverance. Huh? He gonna turn it around. It's gonna work in your favor. Huh? And you sitting there in the midnight hour doing everything else but allowing your faith to be tested. See, when you get in a good test with God, if you walk with him, you say, oh God, I see what you're doing. Uh -huh. I don't like it. And it's uncomfortable. But I hear something in my spirit saying that after you've tried me, I don't know who the Holy Ghost is talking to. I shall come forth as pure gold. You're not going to get to the finish line. Without the fiery process, I need somebody to tell your neighbor, stay in the fire. Just stay in the fire. Stay in the test. Stay in the midnight hour. Stay in the dark place. Because weeping may endure for a night. But joy has got to come in the morning. 
If patience has its perfect work, if you can endure, I feel like preaching. If you can stand, there's a morning that's about to come and your weeping will be turned into joy. I need somebody that's full of faith to open your mouth and praise him now before the morning comes. Praise him now before the joy comes. Praise him now because you know that he is going to bring you out. I feel an anointing of deliverance, of release. Somebody praise him. Somebody give him glory. Take your seats. I'm supposed to be teaching this message. You heard me? This is a teaching message. Oh, you can praise him. I'm a, I got two more points. I'm done. But you can praise him. Whenever you feel the infusion of faith. Whenever you feel. Anthony, switch that back to whatever it was. Turn it up. Something. Whenever you feel the shackle of unbelief breaking. Whenever you feel your doubt leaving the room, you can open your mouth and step in to another place of faith. It's not your faith, but it's the faith of God. I hear it. I hear you. Let me get this out. Point number two, faith is transactional. Somebody say it's transactional. Faith without works is dead. That means your faith has to have a work ethic attached to it. Faith in the supernatural realm is tangible. Somebody say it's tangible. In the realm of the spirit, it is actual and it is material. The Bible says to us that uh, we have to worship God in what? In spirit and in truth. Somebody say in spirit. Am I saying spirit? That means that we have to get out of the confines of the flesh and we've got to get out of the awareness of this realm and we have to be able to step into God's realm in order to really worship him. Now watch this. Faith in the realm of the spirit is as physical and tangible and real as your dollar bill is in the natural world. I'm going to teach a lot of faith in 2022. Teach a lot of faith because without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's not good enough for us to come to church and we can't please God. It's not good enough for us to dance around, but when he needs us to believe, we don't have capacity to believe. Somebody say, teach faith. With the economy of faith in the supernatural realm, you can transact business. Hannah was barren, could not have children, and we know the whole story, and she comes to the altar, and she makes a vow to God. Now, mind you, watch, watch it. Watch, watch the evolution of faith, because she already knows she can't have kids, and she's watching her husband's concubine or whatever, and they're producing kids, and all this stuff is going on, and yet she has enough belief in her to say, if I could get to the altar, and if I could appeal 
to the God of heaven that he has the ability to turn my barren womb into a fruitful place. Listen, she didn't have money to bring to God. She didn't have money to go have a surgery. She didn't have a list of doctors to go and could do some kind of constructive surgery to help her out. All she had was a belief that God could turn the circumstance around. And so at the altar, that faith was like having a million dollars in the bank. She transacted with her belief and wound up getting pregnant. Who am I talking to? You don't have the money in the bank, but you can still go build the business. You don't have the connections, but you can still go get the house and build it from the ground up the way you envisioned it. You don't have the resources, but if you see yourself in the mountain of entertainment on the big screen influencing the, the arts and entertainment uh, industry, you may not have an agent, you may not even have a photo, uh, the, the headshot, the portfolio, but if you have the faith, you have all that you need to transact in a realm that transcends time and space. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but your faith has got to come to another level. Somebody say faith is transactional. With faith, you can do the impossible. You can purchase with your faith what you don't have natural money to secure, because your faith transcends the limitations of the earth. Faith is crazy. Somebody say crazy. Faith is completely illogical. It doesn't make sense. And this is why I got to hurry up. When God is putting you in a place of, of ridiculous faith, you can't talk to a whole bunch of people about what he's putting in your spirit. Because people who do not know God the way you know him, will never understand God's dealings with you. Y'all don't like it, and I'm going to tell the truth. I said they'll never understand it. God will tell you to go do something that doesn't make sense to them, and you will allow them to rationalize you out of obedience to God in faith. And then both of y'all sitting there looking like two old ladies at the bus stop on the day that that bus ain't running. Somebody say faith is illogical. When you are moving in the realm of faith, you have to be willing to do what is crazy to get crazy results. Y'all hear me? You got to be willing to do what is what? To get what? Scripture says, and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Matthew 17, 18. The disciples came to him privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Are y'all hearing that? If you can muster up enough faith to believe, are y'all listening? I, I feel like it's not going across the way it needs to hit. It's good. Is it, is it impactful? If you can muster up enough faith to believe in the impossible, God says, 
nothing will be impossible for you. Come on, y'all. Oh, God, listen, listen. So, so, so what does that mean? It means that if I want a private jet, the day has to come that I can own a private jet. Because nothing, and I will, because nothing is impossible. If you just have mustard seed faith, you can say to East Rock, be plucked up and move to the West Rock, and the mountain has got to move. I don't know who I'm talking to. Is it? Is it? Do you have mustard seed faith? Nothing is impossible to him that believes. So I believe that after Queen Elizabeth transitions, that the king that sits on the throne needs me in his life. So I see myself, Elder Warren, having tea with the king. Because the king needs a prophet. And I need to prophesy what God is saying. Y'all not going to help me. See, that's all right. You don't have to like it. But when I get there, make sure you like the post. Because I got faith the size of a mustard seed. And the Lord said that's all it takes. I don't have to have big faith. I don't have to have wide faith. I just got to have a little bit of faith that can fall out of my hand. And nothing will be impossible because I believe. Who am I preaching to? Somebody shout, I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm about to do what I didn't think I could do. I'm about to work a miracle. I'm about to walk on water. I'm about to do the impossible. Last point. Faith is transformative. I'm done. Faith is transformative. It's intentional. It's transactional. It's transformative. Somebody say transformative. The moment, and that could be right now. The moment you decide, make up your mind. The Bible says Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. The moment he believed. Play something. I'm done. I'm, I've been yelling and screaming for three weeks. If I, if I never preached before, watch the live from last week and the week before. And Wednesday night and then the other Wednesday night, I preached. Somebody say amen. Play something. Give me, give me something that sounds like faith. Not prophetic. Not too prophetic. Just faith. The moment, somebody say the moment. Oh God, let this be the moment. To tap into the power of faith, everything can change. The moment you decide. You leave the realm of the constraints and the limits. You leave the realm of time. You leave the realm of bondage. You leave the realm of your humanity and you tap minister Elena into the realm of the frequency of God you begin to operate on a completely different level 
God looked at the expanse of nothing and created everything. And so like him, when we tap into faith, I feel it. I do feel it. I, I'm feeling it. Yeah. This faith. It's the science of a mustard seed, but it's here. go to a plot of land it's destitute empty void and you'll look at it and you'll say I'm going to build a super mega cathedral here just like God your faith knows limits your faith has to be exercised to grow but God's faith already has experience. God's faith has history. It has a resume. God's faith remembers when he created time and space. So this infusion for us today, it's the faith of God. Would you dare to believe that you can do what seems impossible for you to do right now. Can you build it? Can you create it? Can you become it? It doesn't make sense. You're the most overlooked. You're the worst case scenario. You're the bottom of the barrel in some circumstances. You're the one that everybody hates. You're the black sheep, the black cow, the black roach. You're the, You're the one they talk about. You're the one they gossip about. You're the one they spread rumors about. But can you become it anyway? Can you be what he called you to be anyway? Everybody standing. That's where we are. That's where we are. Y'all, we're about to do the impossible. We're going to do what doesn't make sense. It's illogical. We're going to, we're going to grow. We're going to build. We're going to take our ministry to the next level. Y'all hearing me, leader? So you know where I'm going. Because y'all the support system. Y'all the support beams. We got rid of all the scalping. Y'all got to be solid. We got to be willing to step out of the boat. Out of the boat. Onto the water. And not sink takes faith. It takes faith to believe him to do what no man has ever done before. It takes faith. You got to know that you're hearing the voice of God. Lift your hands up. I sense it. I sense it. I sense the infusion of faith. Come on. Just receive it. God's going to do it, y'all. Whatever he promised, whatever he spoke, whatever he put in your heart, got to come to pass. Come on, I want y'all to, come on, have real engagement with the Lord right now. I'm done, I promise. We're getting out of here. Real engagement. 